Biblically speaking, is God an incrementalist or an immediatist when it comes to the issue of abortion? And what do those terms even mean? Well, stick with us as we explore this topic and talk through this thing biblically. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Um, we're going to talk about an important subject because mm-hmm. all of the subjects that we talk about are important. Of course. I feel like they are anyway. Yep. And it's one that has been flying around, I guess, in the blogosphere, in the social media sphere, and all of that. And it's the subject, and, and we're sort of tagging it, is God an immediatist or an incrementalist? Mm-hmm. And you who are listening may or may not know what those uh, terms are. I actually did a, a podcast interview with Flip Benham mm-hmm. some months ago where he talks about the dangers of incrementalism. We did an interview with um, uh, with Carl, who's with Abolish Human Abortion, in, uh, t- called Carl Turnmeyer, who's with Abolish Human Abortion here in North Carolina. And he talked about abolition, the abolitionist stance against the pro-life stance. We see on our Facebook um, uh, news feeds and social media feeds a lot of arguments mm-hmm. and stuff, You know, right. even accusations against... You know, the, the abolitionists against the pro-life folks, some of the even pro-life folks against abolitionist folks. And really the, the debate is about the immediate abolition of abortion or incremental steps to, uh, to end abortion in our country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot out there. There's a mm-hmm. lot that people can read. There's a lot of stuff. You know, maybe, you know, if you reach out to us, we can point you in, in the right direction, some things you can read. But I think the most important thing to read when it comes to subjects like this that are very important is the Bible. <laughs> Amen. And that's what we're going to be looking at it from a perspective of not just politics and, and, and what politicians say and, and what works, because, you know, mm-hmm. pragmatism can be a big, big time trap mm-hmm. and it can cause us to compromise the gospel and compromise right. truth. Right. So we don't want to do that. But what does the Bible say? Is yeah. God himself an incrementalist mm-hmm. or an immediatist? Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of this podcast, we'll probably have offended everybody. Right. That's our goal. Which, which is no, our it's goal. it's truly not so, our so, goal. So what we do best is offending people, <laughs> making people angry. If you're offended, listen, at the end of the day, if, if, if you listen to this podcast and you're offended by it, please let us know. Listen, either either way, as far as incrementalists and immediatists, I'm willing to be convinced. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open-minded mm-hmm. either way. Um, and just kind of let the cat out of the bag. I'm more tend toward the immediatist abolitionist persuasion. Mm-hmm. But I also know practically there's some things that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the Lord uses. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm willing to be convinced either way, as long as you're arguing from the scriptures. Right. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about your experience. I don't care about what your grandma believes. <laughs> I care about what the Bible says, and I know you do too, Vicki. Right, yes. And you've got an article which we're going to uh, hopefully put up on Sidewalks for Life right. in the coming weeks right. uh, that, that sort of lays out, I think, really, a very good case. Um, so let's jump into it. Yeah, so I, you know, I'll be honest. I've been doing this now for six six years, really, um, very involved in yeah, sidewalk, sidewalk counseling counsel, yeah. and, um, and pro-life ministry. And I had really no idea that this rift between—I didn't know there were these two camps about how to bring about um, 
the end of abortion. Yeah. I, I just thought everyone was kind of all together. Uh, it clearly, anyone working in this sort of ministry wants abortion to end. We hate abortion. We know it's yeah. evil. We know it's wrong. It's against God's clear commands. So, um, so I really approached this as, uh, as someone who is pretty ignorant about both of these positions, but I will tell you that it dismays me when I saw some of the, um, what I see as attacks on, um, on fellow Christians, and, and I do feel dismay, it grieves me. Yeah. Um, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Uh, so I've think it's a very important subject, and what I did is exactly what you said. I, I went through Scripture, mm-hmm. and I tried to determine, really, kind of in a sense, well, what is God? Yeah. Is he yeah, an immediatist, yeah. or is he an incrementalist? And two main um, events, biblical events, came to mind that I think could make a compelling case for one or the other, Okay, and those were the... Um, the exodus into the promised land yeah, yeah. and the conquering and settlement of the promised land. Okay, uh, so that's one thing. That's one thing, largely right. told in the book of Joshua. And then um, the second thing is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross okay. and the salvation and sanctification of his people. All right, so sort of a, an Old Testament picture. Mm-hmm. And a New Testament picture. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So God promises for the first time in the Bible uh, to secure the land for his people. Okay. In Right at the beginning of the Bible. Yeah. In, in, in Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Right. And that specific promise I think is important to read, and that's okay. Genesis 15. Verses right. 18 to 21. I'll read you that. You got if those? You, if okay. You don't mind. Yeah. So Genesis 15, 18 through, through 21. 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. It says, On that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Canaanites, or the Kenites, sorry, and the Kenizzites, and the Kamonadites and the Hivites and the Prizarites and the <laughs> Rephim, the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites and all of those sites. That was purposely just to hear you say. You all wanted those. me to do good. <laughs> all those well, Thank words. you. That was very humbling. <laughs> okay, so look at the beginning. Okay. To your descendants, I have given this land. Okay. Okay. It's it's present tense. It's done. Yeah. It's a it's done an, it's deal. An right. Thing. It, it, it's immediate. It is absolute. Mm-hmm. It's complete. And the interesting thing is, this promise is made before Abraham had born a single child. Yeah. It's actually why he's still called Abram. Right. Not he even, was he's called, not even Abram. called Abraham. He hadn't yet. even become <laughs> Abraham yet. So, God has a goal. And mm-hmm. a vision, and it will be completely accomplished. Uh, the deliverance, though, is many, many, many years down the road. Yeah. In God's eyes, it's already a done deal. Yeah. Right? God's outside of time, but this promise says the land is given, has yeah. been given. But the reality is, it took actually 470 years from that promise before the first victory over a city, Jericho, in the Promised Land, 470 years. And even that first victory 
was not immediate. You remember the famous story of the soldiers. God tells them you're going to march seven times around that city yeah. before they would blow the trumpets and and Jericho would fall. Yeah, seven days, yeah. What did I say? Seven days is, is <clears throat> yeah. what I meant, right? Seven days around that city before they overthrew the city. Why not immediately? Yeah. Why well, not? Certainly God could have taken over Jericho immediately. That's right. for sure. Right. So... A similar question can really even be asked about the whole promised land process. How yeah. did he bring about the conquest of the promised land? Did he lead his people instantly out of Egypt to, well, it took some, uh, to the took promised some pro- land? Pro- uh, some process mm-hmm. to uh, ultimately bring judgment upon Egypt and, and bring the children of Israel out. Mm-hmm. And it took how many years? Forty years, right? Yeah, 40 years. That was supposed to be a trip, or that is a trip that can take... 11 days. Yeah, that's what I've read in commentaries. Right. So it took 40 years. Mm-hmm. And um, God clearly didn't take the most immediate route. He didn't take the most direct route. Uh, he took them on a maddeningly long, circuitous, adversity-filled route for 40 years. Yeah. And when they, when they finally get to the promised land... Most of those adults, right, that had been led for those 40 years are not allowed to enter right, yeah. the promised land yeah. even. Before we go much deeper into this, because mm-hmm. there's some, uh, I believe there's some comparison, some good comparison here between pro-life, abolition, mm-hmm. incrementalism, immediatism, and that sort of thing. Let's, let's real quick, though, define our terms. Okay. Because we didn't do that. Oh, okay. Well, we, we need, need to, to do, do that. that. Sure. Yeah. And when we're talking about immediatist, mm-hmm. what we're saying is basically— that we want the immediate abolition of abortion. We want abortion to be made illegal in this in these United States mm-hmm. for the unborn child to be deemed a human being with full rights as a any other human being would be in this country mm-hmm. and for people to stop murdering them. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, praise God, that's what I want. So, right. I mean, that would be a good definition, don't you think? Maybe I some think of you guys so. listening would I, chime I in with so. a different definition, but I think and, that's and what they, an immediatist would and want. And they would say that any law that limits abortion is showing that there is a group of those unborn babies that are somehow of, of less value. Yeah, yeah. So if the, the exception for rape, for yeah. example, limits abortion except in the case of rape. Well, are the babies of rape of less value than the babies that are— conceived outside of rape right and of course not right of, yeah. of course not they're all of, of equal value yeah and you know flip said something as i you know did the interview with him which you mm-hmm. guys if you hadn't listened to that please go back and listen yeah but he, he's basically saying you know all of this legislation all this incremental we'll just define that real quick basically it means just some steps toward ending abortion so bans on abortion at you know 20 weeks mm-hmm. bans on abortion at you know at, when a heartbeat's detected mm-hmm. bans on abortion against children that you know, can't abort a child just because it's a, it's a girl or a boy, you know, sex-selective abortions, bans on that sort of thing, bans on partial birth abortion. Yeah, bans mm-hmm. you know, based on you know, can't abort based on a disability mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so this would be incremental steps to chipping away, really, right. uh, chick- chipping away at abortion. And ultimately, right. the goal, at least I would hope the goal for, for folks who would be in that camp, would be ultimately to end the thing. But mm-hmm. we feel you know, they would say we feel like— it's going to take some steps, not just immediate 
uh, ending of abortions. And at least some babies are saved, the incrementalist would say, at least some babies are saved along the way that would otherwise not be saved because full abolishment of abortion is just not going to happen right now. It's not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I guess the uh, incrementalist would say, the immediatist idea is a pie in the sky. Right. Not going to happen. Right. We, we need to chip away at this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, the immediatist would say, like what Flip said, basically all this legislation says can have a tag on the end of it that says, and then you can kill the baby. So, right. you know, right. things like you know, regulations for abortion clinics. You know, the abortion clinic has to have such and such in place and all this other stuff, and then you can kill the baby. Yeah. You know, 20-week bans, as long as it's not older than 20 weeks, then you can kill the baby. Right. You know, and so, you know, I get that point. And yeah. I, I agree that mm-hmm. a lot of it, I don't know what percentage, because you know what, honestly, I don't deal in the political realm too much. People ask me questions right. about politics and about, you know, things, bans on abortion. I mean, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I think, has the 20-week ban been lifted yeah. here in North Carolina? Yeah. I was like, Psh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe, probably. Yeah. I yeah. think it has been. Yeah, and a- actually, you know, just to uh, – to jump on that point for a second because I did find out, um, but it, it relates to this discussion also, mm-hmm. um, is that the in North Carolina now, until the age of viability, yeah. a baby can be killed in an abortion, but viability is up to the doctor. It's yeah. subjective. It's Most people relative, think yeah. it's around 23, 25 weeks, something like that. But, um, but so, again, that's another... Uh, demonstration of what the abolitionists would just be furious with is, is that, but it's okay, be, you know, a day before they're viable, right, and, yeah. and who's to determine viability? Yeah, yeah. And, of course, that's a valid argument, It is a right? very so valid we're argument. We're trusting sure. the, quote, doctor. I'm using air quotes here, guys. Right. <laughs> the doctors that do abortions in abortion clinics, people yeah. who get paid to murder children for money, right. are going to do the the right thing, and, oh, this baby's viable. And yeah. Plus, I mean, what does that even mean? Well, I'd also like to know how they would be able to determine that. The baby's in the womb. Yeah. How do they know if the yeah, baby the is viable? Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They don't. It's ludicrous. Yeah. And, of course, I think we're making the argument for the immediatists against yes. the incrementalists and say right. this stuff's ridiculous. And a lot of times when things are legislation's thrown out there, some judge strikes it down and it really doesn't matter anyway. And, and I get that point, too, and I agree. And that's one of the reasons why I tend to, to lean that way. Yeah. However, I will say just from experience, I have seen babies saved mm-hmm. right here, you mm-hmm. know, just you know, 150 yards or so down the road from where we're sitting right now, yeah. the busiest abortion clinic in the southeast. I've seen women turned away right. who came on board the mobile ultrasound unit to see their baby and, and get our resources and connect with us. We're able to share the gospel with them who were turned away because they were, you know, past 19 weeks and six days. Mm-hmm. So I can't discount those lives that were saved either. But, you know, I think one of the points in this story of the Exodus mm-hmm. that, we, that we can take a lot out of it. There's a lot there. Oh, man, the, the story of the Exodus and the children of Israel going through the wilderness, you know, the parting, down to the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, in, in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul uses that as an example of baptism. And, mm-hmm. and, and the rock, he says, is Christ who was mm-hmm. with them in the wilderness. And yeah. There's a lot of stuff there that you can dig out, and in yeah. particular, I think, in this subject, too. Yeah. You know, the children of Israel, the, the incrementalist or the, the immediatist, sorry, might say, well, the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. Mm-hmm. We've been wandering in the wilderness of trying to abolish abortion in this country for 47 years, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, what do we say to that? How, how do you, how would you think an incrementalist would respond to that? Yeah. Because it's well, true. That, that is true. And we it, still that, haven't ended this thing. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, I guess the best response that I can find biblically is the heart is deceitful above all else who can know it. Yeah. And that we are a sinful, fallen world. Yeah. And, and it is not a perfect world, not even close, and it won't be until we're all in heaven. Yeah. Um, and the new world. Is here. Yeah. So new heavens and the new earth. That's right. So the the sad reality is because we're working in a fallen world that that the perfect outcome that we want and we want now, well, you're working with a fallen world. Yeah. And and a uh, and a fallen and broken system as far as the the government, right, federal, state, right. and local, and, and all fallen of that. and broken, you know, people who are in the government, the yeah. the politicians. So th- I think it becomes um I I think the Exodus story is really a good one because why did they wander for 40 years? Yeah. They wandered for 40 years because they were sinful, disobedient, rebellious, and God was teaching them really critical uh, things about himself and about them. Yeah, absolutely. And while is can can we make the same parallel with what's happening with abortion? I don't I don't know, but I I I know that God is is working on all of us. Yeah. And um in in the same way we are we are a, a fallen people that are seeking to follow God imperfectly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> in this as we're talking about the Exodus story and the conquest of the promised land, in mm-hmm. this story is God an immediatist or an incrementalist? Right. In your estimation and what we're reading, what we're talking about, it, I'll, I'll answer the question for you. Okay. I, th- I think, at least in one sense, mm-hmm. God is an immediatist. Mm-hmm. He wants immediate conquest mm-hmm. of the promised land. And he proclaims it at the beginning, immediate. He, he does, yeah. He proclaims I want it you as to though go it's in. a done deal, yeah. right? I want <laughs> you to go in. I want you to take possession of the land. I want you to eject all of the mm-hmm. sites, <laughs> parasites, <Right. laughs> and Jebusites, all and Hivites. Annihilate they, they, them. Yep, they got to be yep. pushed out of the land, mm-hmm. annihilated, gone. I want mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, okay, in, in, in his perfect will, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're going to separate the wills of God, and I don't want to get into a theological discussion about that, but in his perfect will, he wants it immediately done. But he's willing to, he's willing to settle for an incremental conquest. And, it, he, and be, he doesn't. <laughs> is it blasphemous I, for me to say that well, God's willing to settle for something? You know, I agree with you. I think that's what we see. If, if he could have just wiped everybody out yeah. and said, you didn't listen to me. I wanted immediate conquest. If you'd listen to me, you would all be drinking milk and gobbling honey uh-huh. and, and living in, in this wonderful, wonderful, abundant land. Yeah. But it's because of your sin, your disobedience, your intermarrying with the people I told you to annihilate. You're making peace treaties with the yeah. people I told you to annihilate. I'm just going to get rid of you. But that's not what happens. It took them yeah. seven years but some of the scholars I read said it took seven years to settle the promised land. And even then, it, they did not completely wipe out their enemies. Like yeah. I said, they intermarried. They made peace treaties. They're still enemies of, of God's people now living in, in Israel. Yeah. So, um, so I think God's heart 
is probably an immediatist. Yeah. He, he wants all, just in the same way as we get into the discussion of salvation, he wants all of us to come to him immediately yeah. and, and to follow him wholeheartedly and perfectly. That's his desire. But that's not what we do, yeah. and that's not what happened in the settling of the promised land. And instead of just wiping us out and giving up on us, he walked alongside the um, his people yeah. as they imperfectly settled. Yeah. And he and there were blessings that came to them from God as they are imperfectly following his plan. So I think while his heart is an immediatist, his reality with a sinful people is that it was going to be incremental. Yeah, and I I think that you you have to admit that that is how the promised land was settled. Yeah, was incrementally. Yeah, and of course the the response and it's a valid response is what you said before. You know, okay, if that's how it was, it was an incremental thing. Well, they never really conquered the thing anyway because mm-hmm. of all the, the covenants and the intermarrying and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, God's the the Davidic kingdom was established in Israel, and the Messiah's line comes after the line of David. I mean, the the golden age of Israel was after the conquest and and the establishing of God's kingdom and God's you know man David in that place of rulership. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot to learn in that, and you know, I encourage you guys all to dig into that story, the story of the Exodus, the children of of Israel wandering in the wilderness. There's so many spiritual parallels there. Yeah. And, uh, and and one of the ones actually I want to I want to point out, and you sort of touched on it. I love this story, so mm-hmm. I have to point it out. It's one of okay. my favorite stories in the Old Testament because it's funny, but it's also pretty scary. And it's the treaty that in Joshua chapter nine, the chi- treaty that the children of Israel made with the uh, Gibeonites, right? And they right. were told to to, uh, to wipe those Gibeonites wipe, wipe out. These Gibeonites yep. out. Yep. And it says, uh, and talking about the Gibeonites, it says they work craftily. This is verse four of chapter nine in Joshua. They worked craftily and went <clears throat> and pretended to be ambassadors, and they took old sacks on their donkeys and old wineskins and, and uh, uh, torn and mended, old patches on their sandals, old garments on themselves, and all the bread in their, of their provisions was dry and moldy, so they got tattered clothes, moldy bread, to make it look like there were no threat, and they were from so far away that there were no threat at all. They, they traveled like, so long <laughs> that their sandals wore out, their yeah. bread was rotten. <laughs> uh, I mean, so it's like, wow, these people went a they long were way they were to, to really dupe the children of Israel. Yeah. Basically, hey, we're not a threat at all. Mm-hmm. Just you know, make a covenant with, hey, we, we're not even in that promised land. We're not an issue there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the children of Israel did mm-hmm. make a covenant with these people right. of, of Gibeon. And actually, God told them they had to honor their covenant. That's right. They couldn't break this covenant. They made That's a covenant. Right. God told them they needed to honor mm-hmm. it. But hey, they're going to be a thorn in your side. And, mm-hmm. and boy, were they. Yeah. In verse 14, it says, uh, Then the men of Israel uh, took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them, made a covenant with them to let them live and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. So here he makes a covenant, but I have it underlined actually in my Bible here mm-hmm. in verse 14. But they did not seek counsel of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. They didn't seek God. If they would have mm-hmm. sought God, God would have showed them these people are not from far away. They are actually a threat. Yeah. They're just from over the other hill, yeah. you know. And with their moldy bread and their tattered clothes, they're just tricking you. And, you know, I think this can be comparative to some of the politicians out there that claim to be 
pro-life yeah. and that want to end abortion. The fact yeah. is they're coming with their tattered clothes and their moldy bread claiming, mm-hmm. hey, we're no threat. Actually, we're going to benefit you like the Gibbonettes. We're going to be a benefit to you. Yeah. Just give us your vote. Hey, yeah. you know, just vote for us since we're Republicans. We're going to end this thing. And the reality is they're just using pro-life people, people with a sensitivity mm-hmm. toward the unborn for votes. And the reality is they have no intention of ending abortion. So that's one yeah. of the traps. And that's one of the things that I appreciate that abolitionists, that, you know, immediatists would point out mm-hmm. is the hypocrisy of a lot of the, the politicians and a lot yeah. of the legislation. Yeah. However, that does not mean that there aren't politicians that that at least genuinely believe that incremental steps are, are a good thing and that are mm-hmm. going to ultimately limit and ultimately end abortion. Mm-hmm. There are some mm-hmm. good politicians out there, and maybe they're misguided. I get yeah. it. Yeah. But and one of the points I think that we that we need to touch on that we're going to touch on and we probably already have just a little bit is is the contention that's there and the contentious spirit that's in a lot of the folks who would claim to be immediatists. Mm-hmm. That listen, if we have this particular persuasion, we need to be patient with people. We need to mm-hmm. understand that not everybody's on the same page with us, mm-hmm. and it's not going to help if we just say, "Well, you're not a Christian then." Right. You know, if you don't believe in the immediate abolition of abortion, you believe that you know incremental steps are good in any way, then you're just not a Christian. Right. You just don't read your Bible and you're yeah. not a Christian. Yeah. And that's a, that's, a, that's a harsh accusation to bring against people who uh, may very well just not, maybe they don't have the same information you've got. Right. Maybe I've, they not studied it as much as yeah, you have. Yeah, I, I certainly Maybe haven't. they have and they've come to a different conclusion. Uh, maybe they <laughs> have. And, and it, I think key is what you underlined in your Bible there. Seek the Lord. Seek yeah. the Lord in, in all that you do. One of the things that I thought of as I was exploring this topic was would what I do out on the sidewalk where I'm actively intervening in the abortion-minded woman's desire to kill her baby, would it change if I was an immediatist or a um, incrementalist? Right. And my work would not. Yeah. Our work would not. The people on the front lines would still share the gospel, if they're a gospel-focused ministry, as ours is, they would still um, intercede on behalf of that child based on God's clear word about the sanctity of that baby's uh, life and the value mm-hmm. of that child's life, and we would still offer hope and help. Yeah. So for to see all the rancor and even yeah. hatred of groups who don't agree yeah. um, against fellow Christians does damage, I think. I'm yeah. not sure if it does more damage than good, in fact, yeah. because the world is watching, and um, and we're t- to be known by our love. Yeah, yeah, love and unity. And, you know, some folks might well say, hey, I, I, I love and unity, that's all fine and dandy, but we're not supposed to be unified with evil. And, right. you know, folks who would, I think, be more inclined to the uh, abolitionist persuasion would say, you know, the pro-life movement is just plain evil. Yeah. And therefore, we can't be associated with it. You know, Ephesians 5, uh, was it 517? Have mm-hmm. no fellowship with the unfruitful mm-hmm. works of darkness, rather mm-hmm. expose them. I think it's 517, 57, something. You guys can look you it guys up. You guys can all look yeah. it up. This <laughs> it's is in a Ephesians test. Chapter it's actually five. a test. <laughs> yeah, it's in Ephesians chapter 5. I know that. Um, so we're not supposed to have fellowship with the unfruitful right. works of darkness. And right. some might say, you know, the pro-life movement's unfruitful work of darkness. But you know what? I know too many people. Yeah. And again, it's not about experience, but yeah. these are godly people who whose lives line up with the scriptures mm-hmm. and who live uh, their hearts after the Lord and mm-hmm. are loving them their neighbor as themselves. Mm-hmm. Who would say they're pro life? You know, yeah. I'd say I'm pro life. Somebody asked me, "Are you pro life?" I'd be like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. It's not because you know I agree with everything the quote pro life movement does, but it's because 
people know what you're saying. Right. You know, if you say, well, no, I'm an abolitionist. Well, then you got to, you, you get into this whole big explanation of what that even means and why that's mm-hmm. similar to abolition of slavery, mm-hmm. but, but this and that and this and that and all mm-hmm. the reasons why you don't say you're pro-life. Just like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm pro-life. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because I'm a Christian, I'm pro-life. Mm-hmm. I'm anti-abortion. I have no right. problem with somebody calling me anti-abortion. Right. Like you can call me anti-sex trafficking, anti-lying, mm-hmm. anti-stealing. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm anti those things. Things that are right. that God is against, I'm against, you know. So yeah. just a little caveat there. But yeah. um there's a passage and I think we've uh pointed this out in some other podcasts, but it's so important, I think, for the Christian minister. <laughs> for mm-hmm. somebody who's ministering in uh you know, on the streets, on the sidewalks, in church, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever context you're you're ministering. The gospel, we're all called to be Christian ministers, by the way, but you get yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Um and this is in Second Timothy chapter two. And uh, verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, mm-hmm. able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God will perhaps grant them repentance so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so we have to, in humility, if there are people that don't embrace things that we know to be biblical truths mm-hmm. and biblical standards. We have to, in humility and with gentleness, answer them. Mm-hmm. And just going on Facebook and being a keyboard warrior and blasting everybody who doesn't agree with your persuasion is not obeying that scripture. Right. This is Brother right. Paul mm-hmm. who wrote this to Timothy who suffered a lot of persecution. He suffered a lot of accusations from mm-hmm. Jews and Gentiles. Mm-hmm. And yet he's given Timothy this charge. This is how you ought to be. You ought to be yeah. gentle. Yeah. And I definitely had that sense from Carl, the, yeah. who, who you interviewed. That was my first time, I believe, meeting him. And he was a gentle soul. And he yeah. seemed to have a very kind um, and open yeah. Uh, exchange yeah. of ideas. Well, listen, I'm, I've seen the nasty on both sides. I've yeah. seen the nasty on the pro-life side. Right. I've seen the nasty on the You're right. you know, abolitionist You're right. or media side. And the nasty, listen, guys, it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't help one bit. It right. makes uh, it makes the whole thing, the whole anti-abortion movement, yeah. maybe everybody would be under that umbrella, I don't know, yeah. Um, yeah. look bad. Yeah. And it's not all about outward appearances. Ultimately, it's about honoring God. And right. that should be the chief concern of everything, not even the abolition of abortion. Yeah. Listen, if, if your yeah. chief goal in life is to abolish abortion, you're missing the mark. <laughs> your chief goal in life should be to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That right. should be your chief goal. Right. And you glorify him by you know, abolishing abortion, yeah. by proclam- proclamation of the gospel, by standing in front of an abortion yeah. clinic and, and trying to save babies by Yeah, and grace. wasn't it Jesus himself who said, a house divided against its, itself will not stand? Yeah. And, you know, you look at, okay, on both sides are people, most, I would say, that, that deeply desire those babies to be rescued. Yeah. And so if, if we're doing a good work— and um, and babies are are being saved, and the other camp is saying that this is evil. Well, that's you're working against what is really a joint purpose, yeah. a common purpose, which is that God would be glorified first, and that uh, babies would be saved, and 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 come to abortion. Yeah. So. Um, well, should we should we hop into the second yeah, major absolutely. event? Yeah, so 
we're really not talking about an event like historical event in the sense that you know we're talking about individuals being saved, which is a historical event based on the historical event of Jesus Christ's crucifixion Correct. and resurrection. We're Correct. talking about you know a a biblical um, uh, thing that happens, a biblical construct mm-hmm. that we see here in the Bible, and it's salvation. Basically, is what That's we're talking right. about in comparison right. to a mediatist and uh, incrementalist uh, understanding of abolishing abortion and yeah. getting rid of abortion. And the more that I looked at it, the more I thought of the immediatist, um, immediatist uh, position in, in what Jesus says on the cross. So, pivotal event. Mm-hmm. He, Jesus dies on the cross, and as he is about to give up his spirit, he says the words... It is finished. Yeah. And in part, that is, it's done. His life is finished here on earth as a, as a human. He's referring not only to his death. Yeah. But to his fact, to the fact that that sacrifice that was necessary to secure the salvation of the world through faith in him is done. Yeah. When he dies on the cross, the sacrifice is made, it is finished. Yeah. It is done. It is complete. And all who submit their lives to him and accept that what he has done on their behalf are saved. Yeah. So it was an immediate moment it, in, in terms of our discussion of immediate versus incremental. There was a moment where he says, it is finished yeah, all absolutely. at once. And yet... You know, if you look at at lots of verses in the Bible and think about the sanctification of God's people, it is an ongoing, gradual, incremental process. Yeah. Just like the laundry. So one of the things that I'll say, uh, and I like to use just everyday language, no one get offended that I'm using like (laughs) all these uh, Greek terms and all this, but basically I'll say when you signed up for Christianity, you Mm -hmm. signed up for one thing. You signed up to become more like Jesus, mm-hmm. and that is God's commitment to you. Mm-hmm. Your commitment to him is, Lord, I'm sinful, and I need to be saved. Conform me to the image of Christ. His commitment to you is, I'm going to conform you to the image of Christ. That's right. <laughs> and but that's not the process immediately. Of, yeah. But not immediately. Be, be transformed um, with the renewing of your mind. Yeah. So it's not an, with, it's not an immediate renewal. It's renewing. You are renewing. It is a process. Yeah. And um, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed in an ongoing process. So think about Romans 7, 19 yeah. to 25. Okay. That, that's a good one. That's where Paul is, is expressing the struggle of we are saved, and there is a moment at which we submit our lives to the Lord. Okay. What verses but, you get? Uh, that was Romans seven nineteen to twenty five. Okay, you don't. But have from a... that point forward, we are on a lifelong journey to reach what God has promised—an okay. incremental journey—and in because we are still in the flesh, and and there's always that flesh nature that is struggling against um, uh, the spirit of God. Yeah, the God's spiritual renewal in in us. So, yeah, those are Romans seven nineteen to 25. Okay, yeah, I'll read that right here. So Romans seven nineteen to 25. Uh, For the good that I will do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not do, um, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. 
and I find then a law that evil is present with, with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Mm-hmm. Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So he's talking about the struggle of doing right and and choosing to do wrong, and mm-hmm. and ultimately God's commitment to us yeah. that He's going to bring us into a place of conformity yeah. to Christ yeah. if we'll surrender to Him. So it does. It doesn't happen instantly. It's He's struggling. Yeah, He, he struggles as as we all. I I sure can relate to those verses. I I know I'm going to struggle till the day I die. I think. I win more often than I lose the more that I am transformed into the yeah. likeness of Christ. I well, do remember believe. I told you the other day I was, I was riding down the road. I was following my phone to my destination. Uh-huh. And uh, when I got there, my phone says, you've arrived. <laughs> and I was like, where you been? I've arrived a long time ago, <laughs> Siri. <laughs> I've arrived. No, we've not arrived. <laughs> I've not arrived. I have to argue with my phone. I'm not arrived. I'm sorry. I'm at my destination, <laughs> but the Lord is still working on me. You know, That's the old right. song, he's still working on me. That's a reality. That's, right. That's yeah. the process of sanctification. Yeah. As, uh, as we, like you said, as we mature in Christ, we become more and more like Jesus, but we're also ever reminded of our inadequacies and our weaknesses. <laughs> like the closer we get to Christ, the more we see we need him. Right. So even though salvation, I would say, Well, the Bible would say that salvation, being born of the Spirit, is an immediate thing. The process of conformity to Christ Mm -hmm. is an incremental thing. As God is is doing, it's it's almost like, again, not using theological terms, just everyday language, it's almost like God will take what he can get, Mm -hmm. right? And the more that we'll surrender to him, the more he'll conform us to the image of Christ. And again, the ultimate goal is that we're, we're... Conform to the image of Christ. And it's all a tapestry. And, you know, we, we can't see this beautiful tapestry that God has created as a finished work. We see that tapestry as it's being woven, and, and there's all these different threads. And all of us are part of that tapestry that's being woven. So what is happening to us during this process, this incremental, clearly an incremental process, is something that others around us are affected by. Yeah. And you never know how those struggles and people watching you go through those struggles and watching you prevail and sometimes watching you fail, how that affects their relationship with the Lord and their understanding of the Lord. And it, it, he weaves it all together beautifully. And I think that that is throughout the Bible, every incremental process, the, the, the Israelites entering the promised land and sanctification as we grow in a likeness of Christ, every incremental process not only uh, brings us closer to the Lord and is a benefit to us, but it benefits those around us who are watching and who are also seeing God maybe in a way that they wouldn't see yeah. if, if it had happened instantly. Yeah. So I th- And I think that's a, um, maybe a, uh, what would be the word, the beauty of incrementalism okay. is, is that if God had shown me all my sin all at once, I would have committed suicide. Yeah. Because it was so Just horrific. Too much, yeah. It was too much. Even now when he's like peeling back the layers 
as as I remember them, there are still times that I still cringe and and think I couldn't have handled this before I knew God better. Yeah. But I know that I'm forgiven. I know that I'm saved, and I know that I'm on a journey. Yeah. So God's, I think God is clearly in that area an incrementalist, not because it was his desire, but because he's, like you said, he'll take us where we are, or he'll take what he can get. Well, what he's got is people who are steeped in sin mm-hmm. with with deceitful hearts. Yeah. And he his desire might be that we would immediately be changed, but the reality is it's, it's a process. So a contrast to that is Hebrews 10.10. 10. Okay. Um, you want to find that? Yeah. Well, you go ahead and read it. I've got, okay, yeah, right I've there. got it. By this we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Yeah. And that just kind of sounds like it almost negates what I just said, right? right. <laughs> once for all. Once for it's all. immediate. Yeah. It's immediate again. Just his, by it, we will have been sanctified through the offering of his body once for all. So contrast that with uh, Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, I thought it was once for all. Yeah. Why are we working things out? Yeah. So So there's a there's a there's a right now and not yet concept to a lot of the things in the scriptures. You know, there's a right now and not yet um in, you know, in the children of Israel's and their story from the wilderness to the promised land. There's a right now and not yet as far as salvation. You know, some folks say salvation comes in, in a couple of different tenses. You know, you have mm-hmm. been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I believe the Greek lends itself to that. Yeah. So, you know, there is this concept, and I, I think, you know, even though we've probably not, uh, well, we've not sought to answer the question, is God an incrementalist or an immediatist? We've, we've hopefully spurred some thought for you guys, just to be thinking about this thing biblically. And more than anything, to, to help people to wheel back some of the accusations and some of the, you know, attributing evil motives to people. And uh, certainly I would think there are people in both camps that have some evil motives because you got sinners in, in each camp, you know, right. and you got people right. who maybe not don't even know the Lord in, in both camps and just are on board with some kind of movement or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've got, you've got fallen human beings with a fallen understanding, a limited understanding. We've got to be careful with our accusations that we throw at people. Yeah. And yeah. if we have a, a particular conviction, and we should ha- be people of conviction, it shouldn't be just anything goes, nothing's a big deal. This is a big deal. Abortion's a big deal. It sure we is. need to be having yeah. these conversations. Yeah. There needs to be debates about these conversations. Mm-hmm. That's how the church has done it for since the beginning. Yeah. You know, there's debates about certain theological points and certain things and, and, and all of this. And there should be that. So, mm-hmm. so. I'm not saying we shouldn't have those conversations and the exchanges on Facebook shouldn't be made. They should be made. Books should be written and all that stuff. But the accusations against people, just because they're not in your camp, that they're unbelievers, that that doesn't honor the Lord. And, that's and the I, th- I think, in, you know, kind of I wrote a summary of, of what I came to understand as, as I um, grappled with this issue. And I want to read that summary okay. because I think in part both camps, there is biblical truth. There could be biblical support for yeah. both sides, and I think that's important. So I, I, I came to the conclusion 
that God is both, okay. an immediatist and an incrementalist. And if he were not the first, we would have no glorious, absolute standard to obtain yeah. and to strive for. But if he were not the second, none of us would be transformed and conformed to his likeness. Yeah. So God is, is uh, an immediatist and an incrementalist in some ways. So both At camps least, can hate us, Daniel. Yeah. So like I said, when we started, <laughs> I think we're going to make some, <laughs> right. we offend everybody, which is fine. If you're offended, that's fine. Let us know why you're offended. Shoot me an email, dparks at citiesforlife.com. Shoot Vicky an email. She's easier to pick on because uh, <laughs> she'll just throw the question over to me, actually. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll debate it and we'll talk about it. But, yeah, vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. We want to hear from you guys. We are going to throw this article that Vicky wrote out on our Sidewalks for Life site, and we'll probably throw it up on our Sidewalks for Life Facebook uh, page. We, uh, we just want these things to be a blessing. We want to spur thought, biblical thought. We want to encourage people to... Um, to honor the Lord in their actions on the sidewalk, but also in their actions on the the social media sphere. Uh, But we do want to hear you guys' responses to this. Did we miss something? Is there something we we glazed over that we needed to focus on a little more? Are there other scriptures that come to mind, and there's a lot, that you think are important about this subject? We'd love to hear them. So, again, shoot me an email. Shoot Vicky an email. Uh, But... You know, go check out, too, as we always talk about our Sidewalks for Life site. Go check that out, Sidewalks, the number four, life.com. It's the Sidewalk Counseling website. That's what it's for, to encourage people to be gospel-centered voices at the abortion clinics. You can check us out locally, charlotte.citiesforlife.org. Um, but we hope you guys were blessed and listening, and until next time, uh, be blessed. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life Nothing's too precious since I met you